Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. Due to the rising number of COVID cases in our area, we are once again having church online only. For the easiest way to keep up with the latest information about New Hope 365, you can download our app by searching New Hope Round Rock in your favorite app store. And now, here is today's message. As we continue on in this series called Reality and the Battle Between Good and Evil, and we look today at identity, I have realized that uh, identity can maybe be compared to, to this. Over the years, I have engaged and connected with families, gone to hospital visits. As a pastor, you go to hospital visits, you go to the nursing home, you pray over individuals, you oftentimes go with family members and engage uh, family members that are in the nursing home or in the hospital. And one of the sad moments is when a diagnosis is made of Alzheimer's. And the, as the, the disease begins to take away the memory and begins to kill the, the, the cells in the, in the brain, in time what begins to happen is the person no longer remembers their spouse and or they don't even remember who they are. It really, it really is a, a sad moment and often a spouse will go day in and day out and take some, maybe a gift or maybe take a meal and have a common meal with that, that person. And again, it happens and it's happened over and over that I've seen where the memory goes away and you watch as this, the eyes kind of glaze over and they do not remember who their spouse is and or who they are. I wonder with us today if God often feels like the spouse in which he is present in the lives of us the church, the bride. We, we're, the, we're the bride, and he's the bridegroom, as Scripture gives the picture. But day after day, we forget who he is, and we forget who we are. And, and so, as it relates in, the, in, in relationship to him, many of us Christians, loved by God, we have forgotten, we've forgotten who we are in Jesus Christ. And so, if, if when you think about that, think about, or ha, let, me, let me ask this question. If you had one word to describe who you are, what word would it be? If you had one word to describe who you are, what would that word be? And the answer to that question is your identity. And it doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean that your identity is that. It just it, that's just the way you perceive your life in meetings and with your spouse and with your children or whatever. You see yourself that way, and because you see yourself that way, that's your identity. It's your perception. So, how do you see yourself? Our culture talks about identity in the way that is like self-esteem and we, we talk about self-image and everybody, you know, and we, we, we define ourselves by how, you know, how we feel and what we think. And, and if there's ever been a time where identity's been under attack, boy, it seems like right now in our culture, identity's under attack. I mean, what, what used to be normal in culture saying God created man and God created woman, 
We're going, well, we, we don't know. I mean, it could be whatever you define it as. If you want to be uh, an animal, if you want to be uh, something else, you, you can be that. And there's, is it any wonder with what the enemy's doing that there's all kinds of confusion in this area of identity? And as Christians, we know that it's not just about self-image and self-esteem. What, we know that we do not define ourselves by ourselves, but rather find ourselves in what? We find ourselves in relationship with God. The Bible tells us first who God is, and then as, they, as the Bible tells us who God is, he then tells us how we are in our relationship and who we are in relationship to him. So since the first sin, since sin entered the world, we humans have wrestled this idea of identity and have struggled, you know? We, we understand our identity. I find that we understand our identity best when we, what? Understand whom God intended us to be by knowing our position under God in humility, humbly dependent upon God. And as we are humbly dependent on God, we begin to understand not only who He is, but who we are in him. Now, even, even like in, in preparation for today, and I'm sitting and I'm reading and I'm, and I'm typing and I'm looking at what, how I should say things and the, the appropriate way, the appropriate verse and pieces to put things together, oftentimes I feel like I don't have what it takes. I often feel like I'm not smart enough, I'm not quick enough, I, the, the pistons aren't always firing the way that I would like them to. And sometimes I'll close the door behind me and I go, man, I don't know if I can do this. Well, the reality is, is that is a lie from the enemy. It's a lie from the devil. And I have to believe that if that happens to me, it probably happens to many of you, that you wrestle at times with wondering if you're good enough, if you can accomplish things that you, you know you could accomplish, but you don't know, oh, how's it going to work out? And you wrestle. You wrestle with that. And, and the reality is, too, is that we are image bearers. So even if I couldn't accomplish, even if I couldn't do this thing or that thing, the reality is, is that I am still an image bearer of God. So when you know who you are, you know what, what to do. Knowing your identity changes everything. So when I begin to grow in my identity, I know that I am, what am I to do? I'm to glorify God in the things that I say. I'm to glorify God in the things that I do. And what Satan does is he attacks our identity and he wants us to live out some counterfeit identity. And so there's this battle, this good and evil battle uh, for your identity. In fact, Genesis 3.1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals and the Lord, that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat of any tree in the garden. So right away, he is going after identity in the beginning. And then the Bible speaks of God as a father. And basically, what I have come to the conclusion is that there are like generally two types of dads. Two types of dads. And there is a red light dad, 
and there's a green light dad, okay? The green light dad is the dad that there's, it's all about rules and regulations, and it's all about no, and most things that you ask for, it's a no, and honestly, they're not that relational, and you just got to do it, you know, it's like they're this dictator that says that this is the way you have to live, and truthfully, nobody really likes, what? A red light dad. Then, there's a green light dad, where the green light dad is, is someone that is relationally engaging, is somebody that, that when you ask, he's willing to help you. He's willing to say, yep, you can do that. And he, he talks about things and the values and all that, but he gives you freedom and margin to live your life in very minimum, total minimal uh, regulations over your life. He's the green light dad. What father, what dad would you want? What father, what dad did you have? Red light dad, green light dad. Well, our father, our heavenly father, believe it or not, the God of the Bible is a green light dad. In fact, Genesis 2, 16 through 17 gives us this understanding. It says, the Lord God commanded the man in the beginning, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden. What is he saying? Green light, go, enjoy, enjoy the, the, the food and, 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 and enjoy this garden. I've given it to you, enjoy it all. But you must what? Here's, the, here's one thing, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So this green light dad, our heavenly father, God, says just one thing. Can you imagine if your parents go, hey, go live your life and do anything you want except don't drive the car. You'd be like, wow, that's kind of like amazing. I mean, my, my dad, whatever. Now, the reality is, is that God in the garden, it was like, it was like that, but he's just saying, live life. It's not about all these do's and don'ts like culture says. Well, God is, you know, he's trying to suppress us and keep us all corralled and just kind of puppets. Not at all. He wants us to live free. And he gives minimal restrictions. And, and that he's just saying, if you cross these lines, there's going to be issues. And our enemy knows that he would love to have us cross lines. And in fact, Genesis 3.1 says, did God really say you must not eat from any of the tree of the garden? For God knows when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Because Satan was not willing to accept his identity that God had given him, a battle ensued in heaven. We talked about that weeks ago. And Satan and his, and his demons were thrown out of heaven, brought the battle to the earth, and continue it. They, of course, as I've taught, they were defeated by Jesus' death on the cross, and death, hell, and the grave were defeated by Jesus, but Satan is not yet, what? Destroyed. And so Satan is, is now coming here, and he looks, and, he, and he's attacking identity and saying, I'm going to see if I can get mankind, men and women, to try to realize that God is a bad God. And God doesn't even really know who he is. In fact, he's a little bit of a deceiver, which the enemy would like you to believe that, or we can't be trusted. And 
Satan goes for God knows. So Satan right there attacks the identity of God and sought to present God as this red light dad withholding good from you and me. He, it's like that's what he And so what I've come to understand that there are two things to base our identity on. Two things to base our identity on. One, who God really is. And number two, who God says that you really are. Who God really is and who, what God says you really are. And Satan has attacked both of these things and it's a rebellious attack on God and it's nothing but a counterfeit. It's nothing but a counterfeit. And what, is God, what did God say? This is what God said. If we look at Genesis, go back a few chapters. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 says this. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. Speaking here to what we would say is the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When he's saying in our image, he's alluding to the, the perfection of the Trinity that has always existed. But he's going, let us make mankind in whose image? In our image, in our likeness. And so he's saying, that's your identity. You are created in my image so that you can rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures and move that move along the ground. So God created mankind in what? In a fish's image? In a bear's image? No, he created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female he created them. So Satan then knowing that 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 is that we are image bearers attacks us, attacks humanity and tries to wreck identity and he also is gutsy enough to go after Jesus. He goes after Jesus and if we look at Luke chapter 4 and just just before that Jesus, just before Luke chapter 4, Jesus goes into the waters of baptism, and as he goes into the, into the Jordan, led by the Holy Spirit, he, he then goes into the waters of baptism, and the Holy Spirit descends, it says, like a dove upon him, and some words are spoken there. And in fact, in Luke 3:22 it says, "The Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came out of heaven that says, "What? You are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased." But when Satan then, after that baptism, uh, Jesus is led out into the wilderness where he's tempted by the devil for 40 days. He's hungry, and Satan attacks what? His identity. Because if he can attack the identity, he can, and he gets the mind, and he totally takes you off of who you really are, he knows that he has you in so many other areas. But what, with that, when Satan goes, and, and here's the tactic. So, 40 days he was tempted by the devil, and this is Luke 4. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end, he was hungry, and the devil said to him, verse 3, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. What? If you, if, wait, wait. So if, if I'm, I'm the son of God, what do you, what? 
The reality is, is just chapters before, he had gone into the waters of baptism. He hears from his heavenly father, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then Satan goes, uh, if you are. Well, what our heavenly father uh, knows is that, is that you don't have to listen to that voice that says, if you are the son of God. In fact, the Holy Spirit came down to empower Jesus to live out his God-given identity. And you know, he does the exact same thing today. He sends his spirit. As you give your life to Jesus, he, he changes your identity and he fills you with his spirit. And, and he does the same that he did for Jesus in the Jordan River is the same God that does the same for those of us that have given our life to Jesus. And what I love too about this is before Jesus, what, preached a sermon, performed a miracle, cast out demons, before all of that, God said, I am well pleased with you. I am well pleased. And that is, you don't have to go and do anything other than in, in faith, ask for forgiveness of your sin and ask the Spirit of God to come and fill you. And as you do that, your identity begins to change. And now it's not about doing, 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 doing. It's about completion through Jesus Christ and receiving that identity so that when God looks at you, He doesn't see all of, all of the sin and all of this stuff. You've been cleaned and he sees Jesus in you. And that's your new identity. And it changes everything. He fills you with his spirit. And so, Revelation 12, verses 9 through 10 says this, that the dragon in Revelation was thrown down. That is, Satan is ultimately thrown down. The serpent of old, who is called the devil, and Satan. And his angels were thrown down with him. And he said, Now salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for what? The accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. His tactics are continuing. He's seeking to accuse you that literally because you've been somebody that's lustful or you've been somebody that has lied or you've been somebody that has stolen or you're somebody that who calls yourself a Christian but you still struggle with certain things. And he's going, but that's who you are. To which our Heavenly Father goes, no, that's not who you are. You're in Jesus, my son, and your identity has changed. And this accuser he has no right over you, so do not listen to him. When Satan accuses you in order to attack your identity, you need to remember this. One, your identity is received from God, not achieved by you. Your identity is something you work from. Number two, not something you work for. Number three, your identity comes from a relationship with God not living independently from God. Four, you aren't defined by what has been done to you or by you, but rather by what Jesus has done for you. And last, what you do doesn't determine who you are. Who you are in Christ should determine what you do. 
Satan wants you to believe all of the opposite and corrupt your life and thinking. And how do you know? I've, I've asked this question over the years. How do you know Satan is attacking your identity? When Satan is attacking your identity, what is, he totally begins to speak in this second person word, you. You will not surely die. You will be like God. In fact, he says to Jesus, if you are the son of God. So when, what, what do we do? When we speak about ourselves, we speak in the first person pronoun, I. Okay? When someone else speaks to you, they use the second person pronoun, you. So what we're having to work as Christians, as, as Christians, we have working to go, okay, is what, what is being spoken to me in the second person in pronoun, is, 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 is this of God or is this from the enemy? God or the enemy? Here's examples of Satan's attacks on believers' identities. Huge. And maybe you've heard this. Satan's attacks are statements like this. You are worthless. You are a failure. You got what you deserved. You will never change. You are hopeless. You are disgusting. You are not a real Christian. God is sick of you. If people knew what you were really like, they would all hate you. You know what? You're probably going to hell. You should kill yourself. I wonder if any of that sounds familiar to you. It is completely demonic, counterfeit lies of Satan to undermine the truth of what God says about us, his people. So, when we receive a message regarding our identity, when something enters our mind and we go, okay, I'm worthless, you're, you're worthless, you, know, you, don't have what, you don't have what it takes, you're, you should kill yourself, all of that. What, you, what we have to do is we have to test it by the word of God. And that's what Jesus did. And Jesus kept saying this. He said, okay, I hear what you're saying, devil, but it is written in the word of God. Because what happens is truth casts out all lies and light casts out darkness. So when we understand the word of God, when we hear these you statements, you are worthless, you don't have what it takes, you'll never change. When we go to the word of God, we look and we say, wow, I am changed because I'm in Christ. I don't have to live with a false identity. I'm in Christ. Wait, yeah, I, did, I do struggle. I'm struggling with lying, but I'm not a liar. I'm not going to live that way. I'm going to ask for forgiveness, and I'm going to even be accountable with somebody, and I'm going to move to get this right. You see, there's, there's some patterns in our life that maybe our patterns haven't caught up with our true identity in Jesus. And so we often go, well, then I, I just, I, I just, I'm never going to be good enough. Yeah, if you listen to the enemy, you'll never be good enough. To God, you already are through Jesus Christ. Now it's working through our what? Our salvation in fear and trembling. And what we want to do is to say, God, for what you've done for me and how you have blessed me and how you've transformed my life, I want to give you everything. I surrender to you. And you're not working you're not, you're not working to earn salvation. You've already received it. 
You're working for God to continue transformation in your life so that you can live out your God-given calling. This is huge for us to get. It is written, we need to understand what the Word of God says. And if we forget to test our identity by the Word of God, if we forget to do that, and we don't use the Word of God, it's like an individual with Alzheimer's. You'll have a God who loves you and is what? Is present with you every day like a husband. But you will not remember who he is or who you are. And that was never intended to be God's way for you and for me. He's given us his word and we can look at it daily and see this is our God. And this is who we are in Him. And we are loved. And yes, we struggle. And yes, we have pain. And yes, we have moments. And we, we break down and we have stuff going on. But that doesn't change the Father's love for you. Lastly, we all have pasts and issues from our pasts. In fact, 1 Peter 1 verses 18 through 20 is a great verse to wrap up today. And it says this, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers. In other words, what were your parents? What were your cousins? Your aunts, your uncles? Maybe you've got some bad stuff that's gone on in your past and it's like it's carried on. Maybe it's some, some addiction and it's been carried on and brought to you and you're like, oh, I'm struggling with, like my grandfather, my father, I'm struggling with alcohol abuse, or I'm struggling with, with lust, or I'm struggling with uh, uh, totally being somebody that's prideful, and it seems like my father was, or my mother was, or whatever, or my brother or sister. And so it's like, that's, you go, that's who I am. And God says, when you gave your life to Jesus and received Jesus, that all changed. And some people believe in these generational curses and undoubtedly there are those that um, generations you watch as there are people that have chosen lives that are evil and bad and, and, and are destructive and it just carries on and carries on and carries on and carries on. But here's the difference with you if you call yourself a Christian. And it's this. All this bad, all this evil, the moment you gave your life to Jesus, it was cut. And, and no more are you bound by any of this anymore through Jesus Christ. Not your own merit, not your own. It was, no, you didn't, you wasn't like, oh, just suck it up, get better. Oh, I got it. I'm, I'm a self-made person. No, it was through Christ Jesus that the, that the, the bondages that were there were broken and the, and the sin that has existed in family is broken. And now, when you're talking about even future generations, now your children, your grandchildren and, and that do not have to, what? They don't have to go through all of this stuff because you're bringing to them truth hope and love. Now they have to accept it, but literally through Jesus, the curse over your life and the curses that had come with all the past and the baggage were broken. It's a powerful biblical concept. And then if we look at verse 19, following verse 18 of 1 Peter 1, he says, you inherited this futile way of life from your forefathers, but with the precious blood 
as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. So when you go back to the Garden of Eden, and what happens is all of a sudden shame through the choice and the sin of Adam and Eve. And so, they, so what was meant to be totally a place of perfection and a place where they're living in innocence and harmony and they weren't afraid of being naked, they were totally uh, uninhibited, they just, they just could live vulnerable. You know, and now they're making fig leaves to cover their nakedness. And our Heavenly Father foreshadows the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus. And He makes the first animal sacrifice. And He takes the skin of the animal and He gives it to Adam and Eve and they clothe themselves with that. Fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus dies. And it is through Jesus that we are clothed and covered by God. And literally no more are we having to live with the shame of our nakedness. We have been changed. Will you embrace that today? That's your identity if you call yourself a Christian. And if you've been being attacked in this area, just right now, you could just say something that's like, God, I recognize you as my creator, my God. And I ask for you to help me grow in my identity in you and understand that I am loved by you regardless. And God will help you to do that. And if you're here today and you're going, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't never give my life to Jesus and you're tuning in online or uh, wherever you're listening and you go, I would love to do that. You can do that. In fact, right now, and our Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, will clothe you new and change your identity for eternity. Bow your head and close your eyes. Heavenly Father, thank you today that you're helping us. This is just a little, just a little portion of what you're, what you're trying to do in your church and in in, in understanding who we are in you, Jesus. Um, especially in a time right now where there's so much chaos going around and we're wondering <laughs> what, what to believe, who to know, whatever. Whatever, and you've given us identity. And no matter what bad could be going on because of our, your love for us and the transformation in us, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to walk with our head down and beat up. We can keep our head high even to the point if it was our life ended <laughs> because Jesus were in you. So help us today to not be afraid but to trust you, Jesus, in all things. I pray, if Jesus, right now, if there's anybody that doesn't know you, that they would repent, ask for forgiveness of their sin, and that they would receive you by faith and allow you to clothe them new by your Spirit. And Father, I pray that the bondages that have existed in a family or in a home will be broken because of a choice of an individual that came to you in faith. So thank you for what you're breaking and what you're doing, what you're freeing, and how you're changing somebody's identity in this very moment. Thank you, Jesus. To you be the glory, now and forevermore. Amen.
Well, if you prayed that prayer, then you can follow up a few ways with me. I'm just trying to make it as simple as possible. If you're online, church online, you can go to our next steps. You can click on the little button up there and and see next steps, and it will walk you through the journey towards what we are saying is Christ-centered wholeness, and there's some different steps to help you on this journey, help you grow to understand and know and all of those things. If you don't have access to that and you're you're hearing this um, for the first time and and you'd like to connect, just info at newhope365.us. Info at newhope365.us. And just let me know that you've given your life to Christ or you need prayer or you need help in some way and I will follow up personally with you. And I can't wait to see, I can't wait to hear what God is going to do in and through your life as we continue to is we continue to engage the battle, but we do it, what? As new creations in Christ Jesus. God bless you. May you have an incredible, incredible week. Take care. God bless. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd like to invite you to visit our website for all the latest news and announcements for New Hope 365. We have added some temporary buttons to our homepage to make it quick and easy for you to request prayer, sign up for our email list, see current needs and opportunities to serve, as well as give. You can find it all at newhope365.church. That's newhope, the numbers 365.church.